Download the app, Bet Big, Win Bigger. And I got to tell you, I really like the sound of that. And with WinBet, it's just that easy. WinBet has what you need to win. So if you're from Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, sign up today to receive special offers and take advantage of great promos for the big game and the upcoming college basketball tournament. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. Download the app, bet big and win bigger. Let's get after it. Terms and conditions apply, must be 21 or older, and present in a state where win bet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too, 1-800-889-9789. Welcome to the Greenlight Podcast. Cowboy, take me away. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, so we bring on Richard Jefferson, host of the Road Trippin' Podcast and on ESPN's NBA Today. The former Arizona Wildcats going to tell some stories from his time in the league, playing with LeBron, playing some jokes on Bill Walton, and his playoff experience. He also goes through some of the topics in the NBA right now, why the Lakers are a great pick to make a championship push, and, speaking of pushes, Rudy Gobert, his shove in the Timberwolves game in the aftermath and might have cost the young Minnesota team. Before Richard, we get a Masters recap with Macon. We also talk succession, what happened in that wild show, and a couple NFL storylines from the weekend. Odell Beckham to Baltimore, to what does that mean for Lamar? And which are the six teams that might move up with Arizona? Y'all, please enjoy today's show. We'll be back on Thursday. Have a wonderful time. got richard jefferson today rj talk a little basketball coming up uh i don't know top of the hour can i say that sure okay weather and uh weather and sports on the eights what it's a common like you're on a news radio they do weather like every eight minutes okay yeah speaking of weather reed give us the uh, masters rundown because i gotta tell you too busy i don't know how all these guys with kids watch the entire masters it seems like they do I had a hard time keeping up. And then by the time it was time to watch, it was kind of clear that Rom was going to run away with this thing. And Rombo. choked. Brooks played himself out of it pretty quickly. And uh, a lot of people were saying that 54 holes, because that's how much they play on the live tour. He was the leader through. You said that too. Didn't yeah. The stamina. When I asked you, yeah. should I bet Brooks the last day? Because it was even money. You said, don't do it because the live guys aren't conditioned for this mentally. Right. They or... only do three rounds, so his tournament was over. Despite not having a really good Sunday finish, it was a great tournament at the Masters. The weather sucked. There were trees falling. But Jordan Spieth, milled it. But Jordan Spieth still made a Sunday run. We had a couple of live guys up there. We had an amateur flirting with a green jacket. Purrs up to Tiger was sad to see him withdraw, but a lot of really good golf shots. I've got something to say about Jim Nance. He's not quitting the Masters, right? Just the Final Four. That's He's right. He's going to run it back at the Masters. So uh, Jim Nance had me cracking up. The amateur. Yep. Yeah. And uh, 
like Bennett. he he just shot his wad within about 12 seconds uh like a little little rick patino action you know what i'm saying yeah. clearly he had some intern do a little research so he was like uh, sam bennett he's from middletown texas 240 mile stretch between dallas and houston located right in the middle you go there you'll be lucky enough to see the biggest mushroom festival in the world and he like hits a putt and he makes he's like they're gonna like that at coconuts bar in middle middletown just <laughs> dropping in every single little reference and then later somebody clearly in the gallery one of the patrons yells hey, rambo for john rom yeah and then Nance goes, and they're yelling "Vamos" to John Ron as he walks down the fairway. And then he lets a second pause go there, yeah. and he's like, "Let's go! Here we go!" Trying to explain to us what "Vamos" might mean when it wasn't even yelled out from the gallery. That was so good. He gave you know, quite Gertz a jinx. Is friends with John Rom. Did you see this whole thing? Mm-hmm. Zach Ertz yeah. is tight with John Rom. He plays know. with him and J.J. Watt. Yeah, what a what a famous threesome. Good threesome. Yeah. I like, though, that we have clear heroes and villains. Like, Liv, not a fan of it, but at least when we're watching the Masters with those two guys from both tours competing, it's like crowds going crazy for John Rahm and Brooks makes a putt and there's nothing. Brooks is the perfect right. Liv guy, though. He's just, like he's kind of a villain, isn't he? Oh, mm-hmm. big time. And it's interesting because there's a lot of reports out right now that he has mad buyer's remorse and he's trying to get back into the PGA Tour. Mm. He got $100 million from Liv to go over and play. The contract ends the start of the 2025 season. Mm. He has to pay four times that $100 million if he wants to come back to end his contract. Oh, buyout. Wow. Yeah. Damn, so, and, and he has to get decapitated. Yeah, that's, that's right. the right. He has to die and pay money. And that's one good-looking head to chop off. You think? He's a sexy guy, yeah. yeah. I'd take him back in a second Yeah. on the tour. Yeah. Sexiest guy on the tour? Sexiest guy on the tour. Yeah, probably Brooks. No. <laughs> Not a chance. Who? Who is Colin it? Morikawa, Colin Morikawa, way sexier. Uh, Will Zalatoris. He didn't play in the Masters. He's Bro, isn't the that season. the guy from Happy Gilmore? Will yeah, Zalatoris? he is wonderfully good looking. Well, are you serious? Oh, 100%. I'll get on Morikawa if you can get on. Okay, you're on Morikawa. I'll go Zalatoris. I mean, and Brooks Colin is just a Morikawa. big, beefy boy. Yeah, big, beefy. But we've already seen him at home lounging in, you know, his <laughs> sunken pool. Are yeah, saying this is the hottest guy on tour? Well, One of that yeah. is That is the hottest take. Yeah. That's a take quake. <laughs> are you kidding? Oh, he's a good-looking dude. Huh. It, it's all about how you look walking down the fairway. And he wears, he's got a he's tight got pair walk. of pants, good-looking oh, pair of pants, <laughs> great hat. <laughs> I mean, it's also I can't like uh, Brooks wears those fitted hats, right? It doesn't have the opening in the back, you know, to change it, and it's so sunken on his head. Mm. It's yeah, like this, right? His his golf fit is okay. It's not all right. Great. So yeah, people can weigh in. I, I who's that? Who are you looking at Brooks? Yeah, he dyed his hair blonde, man. I don't know about that. he's, yeah. he's all tan and he's beefy. Tan, beefy, and a nice face, and I smile. front dyed his hair blonde. What does that make him? Not hot? I'm just saying, Brooks needs to pick a look. Okay. Yeah, we're out on Brooks. But uh, we're probably going to see John Rahm get a lot of uh, PIP money um, because PIP. the tour has picture a... Picture picture. Uh, tour has a big fund that they allocate money to people who um, kind of propped up the PGA Tour every year. And since Rahm hung on and beat Kepka to keep a live guy from winning the Masters. 
the PGA Tour is going to give them some uh, some big dollars. Well, is it true that the coverage was really trying to stay away from Kepka until the last day or so when they just were forced to? I wouldn't be surprised because literally they didn't show the leaders uh, on Sunday morning the, to finish the third round until their fourth hole, and they just showed four through six, and then they got off them. Why'd they hang my guy JT out to get wet as hell? Tiger, man. He, he helped out Tiger super oh, hard. Tiger made the cut because he missed the cut. Yeah, yeah. But, but they had those guys out and like, I, I know, don't think it, the it hard stuff's going to come down for a while. It right. seemed, what, to just get it in on Sunday? Listen, I think ratings? it was just knock it out. Those trees almost fucking killed some people. Yes. You see the yes. person that right in between? There's like three trees and the person was right in the These middle. These were like big fern gully trees too. They yeah, weren't like they weren't uh, small. saplings, dude. And it wasn't like there was a gale force wind Right. That took him down. It was just that people were just chilling. We did right. talk about best ways to die. I bet there's like some super hardcore golf fans that that would be their ideal way oh, to, yeah, die. to die. And there'd be a, there'd be a statue and shit. Mm-hmm. Statue. Their mm. family would get all time probably rights to go visit that spot at the Masters. Can you imagine a couple feet different in the Masters weekend is shot, shot, and it's wild because that grounds crew made probably the fastest work out of those trees. They were gone. Oh, There's yeah. probably no evidence that those trees were ever there, you know, within 30 minutes mm. of them falling. Well, that's like the SEAL Team 6 of ground screws. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I want those guys at my house. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to talk NBA with Richard Jefferson. Can't wait. Obviously, there's the Rudy Gobert shove. There's the... Uh, the <laughs> you calling great- that a shove? Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's not a punch. I mean, like, if you punch him, you got to punch him in the face. He okay. punched him. Yeah, it was just a shove. Plus, he's like French, <laughs> so like you know, a French a French punch is still a shove. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that with Richard Jefferson. Um, hey, the election cycle is back. I can feel it. Mm-hmm. I just want to get out ahead of this, guys. Joe Biden doesn't move me in twenty twenty four. Interesting. We're fucked. I just want to get out in front of this. I also had some friends in town from Florida. Mm-hmm. That place sounds fucked right now. <laughs> They were yep. just like, hey, you got a gun? Carry it around. Don't yeah. need any fucking registration, nothing. Well, and I think uh, the governor made that official recently. Yeah. So not to get political here, but I just wanted to get that off my chest. I don't feel really good about the state of the country. Well, maybe it's one of those elections where we haven't heard of the, the right candidate yet. Yep. Sure. I keep waiting for an election to not be that kind of election. I have heard of you. You know, you are over the age of 35 now. You were born in this country. Yep. What else is there? Is that about it? That's about it. Yep. And um, you're male. I think yep. that's the third requirement. Yep. White. Perfect. Oh, no, we yep. checked we crossed off. that bridge. Yeah. Our election cycles are way too long. Like other countries will have a set election cycle of seven weeks. But you can feel it like when they turn the thermostat up, mm-hmm. like, damn, did the thermostat just get turned up? And I feel it right now. I really do. Uh, so we'll stick to sports as much as we can. But uh, but goddamn, if it's not getting hot in here. Hey, movie review time. I went and saw uh, Mario Brothers. Uh, what did you think? It was, it was good. The kids loved it. That's all that matters. I, I feel kind of like a, a, a hipster mm-hmm. uh, complaining about the pacing of the movie. <laughs> it's too fast. Yeah, dude, they were just jump cutting <laughs> from scene to scene, but they had to fit the entire Mario Brothers franchise into 90 minutes. I get it. Like, when you think about it, there's like Raccoon Mario, mm-hmm. 
there's there's the little mushroom there's the big mushroom there's Wario. you got to get wario wasn't in there what no no wario peach? barely had any yoshi peach peach was great peach could do just about anything which begs the question like why has mario been rescuing her all these years when she kind of mm -hmm. had the whole thing down mm. and had to teach mario in the movie how to jump from box to box latent misogyny in the video yeah it's games. misogyny right mm -hmm. he was played by uh <clears throat> anna taylor joy oh that's sure right. that's right uh the queen's gambit yep yep so it was good man it's worth seeing um it could have been better i would like to see like an adult version of the mario movie like dark with, yeah dark darker like real consequences like people dying like the koopas or like you know like the yakuza kind yeah. of thing mm. uh yeah something like that uh you know fucking bowser is like some big big crime lord mm -hmm. uh it's like people it's like when mortal Kombat became a real movie kind of like yeah, they flirted awesome. with being a real movie uh i would like to see mario turn into one of those nice i don't know who directs it <laughs> oh maybe like uh the guy that did Watchmen or something that guy who lost it um m night Shyamalan. yeah something like that really lost the fastball there kind of yeah, got weird with it lady in the water walked mm -hmm. out of that one uh what'd you think about air it was shit. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's a movie that I should love. It's all about like early 1980s NBA, basketball, shoe business, directed by Ben Affleck with Matt Damon, two guys I like. It's not very good. <laughs> what's, what's it? Rotten, oh, Tomatoes Rotten Tomatoes is all over it. Wow. Maybe I'm too deep into it. Like it, may, it was just like... I believe you. Of course, the home for you. Yeah, a little I bit. I believe you. It was worth seeing. Like I would, I would not say don't see it, but, but I, it it's shit. not something I'm gonna go I watch would say again. It was shit. Yeah. Okay. It's my least favorite Ben Affleck movie that he's done. Damn, I'll, dude. Like the thing that matters most to me in the world, Virginia's national title. Like I don't love the documentaries on it. You know, mm -hmm. so I get it. Mm -hmm. I get it. I'll give you. A, this is a trivia for the three in the room. All right. The original name of Nike. Bacon. Um and Chris because he's stalling, you feel I don't this have is it. shouted it's, out. It's it's like it's like it was in the movie. It's like West Coast high. Sports or East Coast Sports or something like that. Blue Ribbon Sports. Blue Ribbon Sports, yeah. What a terrible name. Yeah. <laughs> Blue Ribbon um, Sports. Half credit? Had sports no. in there. Okay. And Third then, credit. And then finally, uh, in the film section of this podcast, uh, the, the cinema section of this podcast, Succession. Mm. Okay, spoiler alert. spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Succession, episode three, season, what are we on now? Three four. or four? Four. four. Um, yeah, three, two, one. Logan Logan's dies. dead. Oof. Which is hard to believe. It really is. And I thought they did a great job of not only shocking the fuck out of everybody, it wasn't on my bingo card. Mm -hmm. I mean, watching, you know, the 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 look-aheads to the rest of the season, I thought that we were going to have Roman and Logan forming an alliance. I thought we were going to be going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the kids the entire fourth season. In um, retrospect, we should have seen it coming, but it shocked me. Well, you know, like... He, Maybe episode seven. We just talked about it last episode. Like, he was more full of life than mm -hmm. he'd been the entire series. Right. And he was like kind of rejuvenated and it looked like he was pushing it hard. Maybe he was pushing it too hard. Maybe Roman Roy's message that he left on the phone fucked him up. Mm -hmm. But anyways, they're doing chest compressions on him and, and uh, they have to call the kids and they're at uh, Connor's wedding uh, and 
their reactions to his passing were so interesting because, you know, like Kendall was, uh, let me talk to the pilots. Let me get, uh, here's what I want. I want uh, the best doctor. At this point, he's flatlined. And he's like, let me fix talk to Fix it with the, money. Yeah, fix it with money. It, it was telling, like, everybody's reaction to Logan's death was different and was an insight into their personality. Like, Kendall thought he could fix it. He, he wanted to get all the best doctors in the world on the phone in the next two minutes. Connor uh, couldn't deal with it at all. Connor couldn't deal with it at all. Well, his was the best reaction. He never liked never me. Liked he him. never liked me. Yeah. Uh, Shiv was in denial. I feel like Shiv really hoped at some point to bury the hatchet with her dad. Mm -hmm. And she really loved her dad. And then Roman, he's like a giant to Roman, even if he hated him at different times. Uh, and he was in complete denial. So it was just really interesting seeing all their reactions. And it spoke to kind of how big of a larger than life character he was that even the viewer was expecting him to revive at some point. Like I super intentionally, right? Like yeah. they didn't show his body because mm -hmm. they wanted to put you into the mind of like Roman Kendall and Shiv where you yourself are like unsure in this mm -hmm. modern world of like how death gets communicated by phone. Well, and, yeah. and Tom delivers the news. Is this a play at the beginning? You don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you don't know. Move. I yeah. thought it might have been a play. And yeah. speaking of a play, like, you know, all the scenes at Connor's wedding that they filmed that were amazing, they filmed that like a one-act play. 27 minutes. 27 minutes, one scene. Yep. Insane. No way. And the cameras yeah. only had 10 minutes of yeah. film, so they had hidden tape at certain spots that they no were way. Yeah, put back in the camera. Yeah, that was a great episode. And they couldn't, you know, obviously it's it's intentional. They couldn't get to their dad, the guy who they could never really get yep. to mm -hmm. emotionally, mm -hmm. otherwise. Yep. It was all very well done. But and I like yeah, that the we three will kids get had to very different reactions. The actual succession. Yeah, like it's if, called succession. If, if he hadn't died until like the last episode of the season, we wouldn't get to see what this process plays out. Like even when Shiv was doing the press conference, at first she says no questions, and then they ask like, "Will you all be involved in the company?" Mm -hmm. And she's like, "We yes. intend on being here." Uh, any best lines come to mind for me? It's uh, when when Kendall goes, we'll uh, we'll get a we'll take a funeral off the rack, Re <laughs> mm -hmm. Reagan's with some uh -huh. tweaks. Like he's still sad and being serious, but mm -hmm. Reagan's with some tweaks. Mm -hmm. I love that. That was amazing. I love that. I didn't. I was just more blown away by the, you know, what they did. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that perhaps it was a Mile High Club situation? That he was fucking uh, homegirl with the bangs, Carrie, who because he's in the he's in the was, bathroom, who was grinning like a Cheshire cat, mm -hmm. like she, she had just shock. caught a foul ball at a Yankees yeah, game. Yeah, that's what that. Yeah, that that was funny. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it could have been. He could have been uh, in the bathroom, laying in the wood. Yeah, maybe she's pregnant. Oh, oh. Boy. it's like Game of Thrones. That'd the be baby cool. runs the company. It is wild uh, how so many people had to and were able to keep a secret because nobody had mm -hmm. nobody i mean they filmed it i think brian cox said in july ish or at least he found out in july mm -hmm. that's pretty good secret keeping that's his one i mean it's called succession he's probably going to die but episode three we still got seven more to go and all these act i mean it's it's sad it was sad were y'all sad, sad yeah, watching it absolutely. i was sad he's a ter terrible figure did Kendall say i can't forgive you or i can can't can't yeah all of them were like hey you you did suck, but I love you. Yeah, and I don't want you to die. Uh, Shiv was a little different, but but then Kendall's like estranged is a strong word. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. we were not estranged. We had a family yeah. event last <laughs> yeah. night. Yeah, <laughs> and by the way, this is my question about Succession. How long has it been in chronological time from season one? 
to now. Is it just four, one year? No, no, no. Four or five years. I think it's one year. It's not. Okay. It's not. I did a lot of reading last night. He um, was, Logan was 80 and now he's 84. Okay. Dying at 84. All right. So how about the NFL? You know, this is going to be a basketball dominated pod, but there's a couple things that came up. Over the weekend and into today, uh, our today, your yesterday, that we found interesting. Number one, obviously, the Odell Beckham signing. This shocked me. You know, I, I did not think, I just, I guess for me, the most instructive part was the Lamar situation. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, Odell is highly motivated, probably to win a ring, but primarily to, to play great and get back to that 2019 form, which is the last time he had 1,000 yards to get healthy again, to make some money. So in that right, this makes sense. I mean, like we were looking at the Jets, he would have been a number two up there. You know, he's going to be a number one in Baltimore no matter who's throwing him the football. With a lot of eyes on a guy like Mark Andrews. Right, exactly. And Todd Munkin uh, is a guy he's had success with and I think was a major drive in this deal getting done. But I think the biggest driver in this deal getting done was the $18 million, 15 guaranteed, upwards of $18 million owed. And... You know, we had heard reports of 20, and then we heard that he was possibly getting deals like, you know, four or five million dollars, to which he said, like, no thanks. Um, this is a desperate move by Baltimore. I mean, you can just feel it. This is like, a, a, of any team that doesn't do this, uh, and they only had like six million dollars in cap space before they made this move, um, I wouldn't think the Baltimore Ravens would be the team to throw a bunch of money at this aging 30-year-old receiver who hasn't had 1,000 yards since 2019. And on face value with the FaceTime uh, screenshot that Lamar shared between him and, and Odell, and Odell's son wears a Lamar Jackson jersey, all that stuff, you think this means he's headed back to Baltimore. And, and in some ways that makes sense because I do think you know, Lamar has discovered that this is going to be harder than he thought and that the league and different teams individually are standing firm on not desiring to pay him this kind of guaranteed money or give up the, you know, the, the draft capital necessary to snag a guy like, like Lamar. So I do think that it's possible that he said, yeah, I'll be there. Um, I do think that it's possible also that Lamar is like an evil genius and this creates more leverage for him. You know, like, sure, the Ravens could trade for a quarterback. Uh, we'll talk about the Arizona Cardinals number three pick in a second and the, the, the report that six teams were in the running for, this, for, for this, uh, this pick of contact with the Cardinals about trading up. Maybe the Ravens are one of those picks. But I do think this could create kind of a leverage Absolutely. situation for Lamar. You've already invested, you know, uh, $15 million in this guy that's going to help Lamar on the short term on this franchise tag and hopefully pacify him to where he wants to do a deal next year. Uh, but you could also look at it like this is an indication that Lamar is headed back to Baltimore, and it's a sure thing. And it seems, well, it seems right that it's a little meet-in-the-middle-ish, that Baltimore is like, hey, I know you. we want to get you as much money as possible, but this is us trying to do something for you to get yes. through the playoffs and get you through a season where you have uh, – you know, reliable receivers. Yes. Proven guys that you can throw to rather than, you know, rookies coming out of the draft and that. Beckham, Bateman, Andrews. Could even be Jarvis Landry. He's out there. Best friends with OBJ. And another thing is, like, there's a report, Jim Nagy from from the Senior Bowl, who we like, friend of the program, uh, had reported that 
only one receiver is 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 getting a, a consensus first round grade from around the league. Like there might only we talked about how deep this wide receiver class is. Well, maybe it's not top heavy because it's just uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, being that 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 surefire first round guy. And then there's guys like Jordan Addison, Jordan Addison, Johnston, Day Flowers. Um, there's a few guys in that top five that I think are probably flirting with being first round picks, but the way it sounds is that the wide receiver class is not as deep or as, as top heavy as, as we thought once. And maybe the Ravens are saying, Hey, we've had a look at it. This is our best chance to go snag somebody who's a serious proven commodity. Um, Nelson Aguilar also signed there, I believe quietly last week, um, they're definitely not rebuilding, which you would rebuild if you traded Lamar. Oh, and they're exactly. not moving around a lot. They only have five picks this year. Yep. Only two in the top 120. And the question is, I mean, when you look at them not having a lot of draft capital, uh, I don't want to forget Jalen Hyatt as well in that group of wide Great. receivers. Oh, yeah. But the question is, there's six teams that have contacted the, the Cardinals about moving up to three. I think it's pretty clear who five of them are. The Colts. For sure. For sure. The Seahawks. Yep. Uh, the Lions, yep. uh, the Raiders, and the Titans are teams I think could move up to three. But then you look at, there's some other teams floating around here, like the Patriots, uh, which I think would be really fun to see them make a move at three. I think this thing's going to go, uh, I think this thing's going to go um, Young, then Stroud, and then at three, um, you know, it's anybody's guess. You know, like, could it be Richardson? Could it be Will Levis? I had you know, I have reason to believe that I think the uh, Indianapolis Colts could fall in love with Will Levis. Um, so maybe that's who they're coveting at three. Even after seeing him eat a whole I, banana? It just feels like a Colts move. Mm-hmm. Anthony Richardson. Ben Solak's number one big board player. Yeah, so I mean, there's there's a few options here. But, you know, you the commanders could move up, which could also, um, you know, shine a little context on why they might not want to trade for Lamar. Maybe they're in love with somebody uh, and they want to move up. The Bucks, uh, you know, the Trask-Mayfield experiment might not be one that gets people real excited. Uh, and then the Vikings. But the question is, for some of these teams, um, why do that, mortgage the future to move up uh, at, to number three when in a year uh, you could be moving up to snag, uh, let's say, a uh, Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. You know, the Carolina Panthers could suck. The Carolina Panthers could could draft Bryce Young and suck uh, and, and still be picking in the top three. They could be picking first. They could have their quarterback. A couple of these teams could draft in the top three uh, at quarterback and still end up there next year. So um, there is an opportunity next year, I believe, to move up and snag the number one pick. But it is a gamble. You know, because somebody could play their way into that number one pick and need a quarterback of the future, and that would be Caleb Williams. And it'd be interesting if the Patriots do move up because it might even be Bill buying himself a little time to hit that all-time wins record, right? If he picks a a quarterback in the top three, he has to develop him. Yes, he, he can make that argument like, hey, I I bought myself two or three seasons with this guy yep. uh, to try and make him into something. And then mm-hmm. RKK has to understand that. Love to see Anthony Richardson in New England. I just, yeah. I, I just, anytime Bill can work with a non-standard talent like Anthony Richardson, a project, somebody that you could, uh, you know, you could get some quarterback run game going, like that's fun to me. And um, 
you know, it's it's not obviously because they had Brady for a long time. It's not like in their mo to trade up and snag a quarterback. Uh, but this is post Brady. Right. You, you throw out all the um, you throw out all the you know the the, the New England blueprint because this is a different era, and I think it'd be fun. I wonder if Caleb Williams is transcendent enough that he will have a significant effect on wins and losses in the NFL next year. I think he could. I think he could. So, anyways, a little bit of NFL rumblings news, but without further ado, let's talk about the NBA because the playoffs are starting soon, and i got to make some money. The NFL draft's coming up. Have you all been keeping up with the potential prospects? Did the results of the combine change your mind? Who are you pulling for to join your team? Where will our top picks go? It's anybody's guess, and we've seen some wild selections over the years. But there's one selection that every football fan can share, and that's an ice-cold Miller Lite. The game's definitely changed over the years, but Miller Lite is still the perfect beer for draft time, game time, and any time in between. And don't forget, Miller Lite is a proud sponsor of teams like the Packers, the Vikings, the Ravens. I'll be celebrating these draft picks as I watch them cross the stage and embark on this great journey. There's a lot to celebrate, but I'll continue celebrating being able to watch these guys play for years to come with a nice cold Miller Lite on my lap in my most comfortable chair. The work is just beginning, gentlemen, but not for me. Miller Lite knows that beer lovers want their light beer to taste like beer. That's why they brew a light beer that's light on calories, not taste. Because what's the point of having a beer if you can't taste it? Till kickoff comes around again, enjoy the beer that tastes like the season. Miller Lite, great taste, 96 calories. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com greenlight. Or you can pick up some Miller Lite pretty much anywhere they sell beer. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Cash App, the easy way to send, spend, save, and invest with friends. Cash App helps you connect effortlessly with your finances and with your people, and that's money. I love going on a float with my buddies, and we all share our cash tags and split the bill. That is what friends are for. Cash App provides us with an easy way to send and spend money, save and invest in stock and Bitcoin. Cash App, however, does not provide a dry pair of pants. You want to remember that when you get off the river. Try the number one finance app in the App Store. Whether sending, spending, saving, investing, splitting, tipping, donating, or gifting, that's money, and that's Cash App. Download Cash App from the App Store or Google Play Store today to create your own cash tag. Oh, you guys switch. Um, you guys, you guys switch. We gotta get you on the Zens. Oh, I'm on the Zens. You are. You still? Yeah, spit? dude. I quit. Uh, I was dipping Kodiak for like my entire life, and uh, just switched to the Zens. And now I I ingest way more nicotine. Way more, bro. Like all day. What's the best <laughs> Zen? What's the? I'm glad we're getting to the important topics right away. What's the best Zen flavor? Uh, honestly, I uh, the, the I got smooth right now. Um, I don't know what else we. I don't, I, fuck, whatever menthol. they got available. Minter green was that winter green? Menthol. Menthol. Oh, yeah. Menthol. You, you yeah. trying to get everything? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You trying um, to get yeah. No, I'm definitely a big Zen fan. Do guys in the NBA dip? Is that like uh? Is that like I, the one I, thing that 
the dudes are not doing in the NBA? I cannot speak on behalf of all or any players. I think probably the guy uh, for the Grizzlies dips, the big uh, New Zealand guy, Stephen. Oh Adams. yeah, yeah, but he's like uncut. Yeah. He's more of a chew, like <laughs> you know, just yeah. uh huh, uh huh. Well, that's good. That's good. And he's got a high noon, guys. Yeah. Oh, we're ready. I, I, finished work. I finished work. I finished work. Yeah. Kind of. I don't even know what that really is, but yeah, well, let's fun. let's get into it because your your most of your job entails talking about the NBA, and it's perfect because I never get NBA guests on. I got to hang out with Channing uh, and uh, Allie down in, in Vegas, but did not get to see Richard, only on, on FaceTime, so it's good mm-hmm. to connect again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess my first question would be, and I wanted to get into tanking, because it it's a topic in the NFL. Uh, I don't know what you, you think surface level is harder, tanking in the NBA or tanking in the NFL? Uh I would see. I would say tanking in the NBA um, is a little bit more. You can see it more clearly, yeah. right? I think football. You don't spend money on free agents. You don't. You don't kind of build out a team. You kind of get off to a tough start. You know, whatever. And you're like, dude, we're gonna play the young guys. We're gonna do this. We're gonna get the seventh pick, right? So I think football is a little bit. You know, I think it's. You see it, but it's ways to kind of shield things. In basketball, it's just in your face when you see a team strip it play the young guys you know like it's a lot more in your face with it i think that's really the only difference dude i bet a couple games yesterday and one that i looked at was um was golden state and portland uh because matt here was like yo you need to bet that game like portland's tanking with a capital t uh same thing with the lakers who they didn't cover but Mm -hmm. i mean it made sense i mean looking at some of the guys out there on the court or I forget who it was, the Jazz, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, how do you feel about tanking? Are you are you anti? Do you do you do you recognize it as part of part of the game means to an end? I think it's I think there's it's part it's part of it. It's part it's part of the game. I think the the Philly situation where they just obliterated any like thing of tanking. Like we've seen it. You would see one two teams not like it, strip their assets, and keep pushing. When Philly did it for so many years in a row, the whole trust the process, you know, they got Markel Foots, they got Ben Simmons, they got Joel Embiid, they had other top picks in there too mm-hmm. that didn't work out. Uh, uh, Nerlens, uh, mm-hmm. the big fella. Uh, so they kept doing it. And I think that's where it was like, oh, this is so unbearable to watch and see for Philly fans. But I think teams should. You look at LeBron James, number one pick. Tim Duncan, number one pick. Like all when you start looking at the once in a generational talents that you can get in basketball, that can be your kind of icon for eight to ten years easily. Yeah. yeah. And if they're great, further. Well, it's even it's even more important in basketball because I feel like you could tank for a player in football. One, it's going to be harder to to pay that guy in four or five years because of the you know rookie wage scale, uh, and then you know the fact that it's going to jump way up. And then, too, like, it's football. It's inherently uh, more dangerous. And so, like, you could tank for somebody, but they could be, you know, sold for parts in three years because they're all fucked up. And it's also probably an easier sell to a basketball player on a team like, hey, we kind of know what time it is this year. Whereas, like, I've been on an NFL team that was quietly maybe tanking. Uh, Mm -hmm. I played eight years in St. Louis. We were really bad. Um, Are guys, have you ever been on a team that was tanking and, and are guys cognizant of it? 
and are they anti or kind of like, uh, as long as I'm getting my check? No, you, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, as long as you're getting your check, but there's only 450 players in this league. If you're on a shitty team and you have a shitty year, that yeah. does not make you, you know, very appealing to other places. So there's still pressure on you to perform for yourself individually, right. always. And a lot of times you'll get younger players that are trying to establish they should be in the league, um, different things. Look, I, I, I've... I've seen tanking on different levels work out in good in different ways, right? It's Golden State. I think they lost like their last three games of the year. The first year I was there, that was Clay's rookie year. They 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 lost the last three games in the year to make sure that they maintain because I think it was a top ten protected, and so that allowed them to draft Harrison Barnes. Right. And you know what I'm saying? And so that now you got Harrison Barnes, Draymond Green. Kent Bazemore, you combine them with Steph and Clay. Now you're building out yeah. towards your your future. So they lost those last three games, kind of intentionally. Two games, don't quote me on that, but it was to make sure that they kept their pick. Yeah, they keep their pick. It turns into their starting small forward when they win a championship and win seventy three games. And that was just a little tanking at the end because they were a shitty team. And they're right. like, damn, you know, we should keep it. It's very similar to what Dallas did, but exactly. Dallas had a chance to make the postseason. The Golden State was already out of the postseason. That's the big difference. Isn't it weird, though, like uh, face value as like casual NBA fan? I look at Luca and I'm like, that's a guy you can win with any night, right? Like they've been they've been kind of disjointed there and it's no secret. And we're talking about Luca moving on in 24, that sort of thing. But, you know, like here's a team. It's good for the league to have this guy in the playoffs. Um, you know, is it worth the protected top 10 pick, which is what you alluded to earlier? Uh, and and really, is there any chance? I mean, the chance is really minimal that they end up with uh, with the first pick, right? Because two yeah, percent, two percent chance uh, to get Wembenyama. It's mainly about the protected pick, is it not? With with Dallas, yeah. Well, don't San Antonio had a two percent chance to get Tim Duncan? Oh yeah, and the Celtics had the biggest chance. So it's like two percent. People win the lottery every single day, yeah. right? And your yeah. percentages are far less than two percent. Yeah. Um, the I, I don't know with Luca. This is what I think people you know don't understand. It's hard to figure out the puzzle pieces around most superstars. It is. Yeah. That's why whether it's Shaq or LeBron, like once you figure out the puzzle, once you figure out the puzzle, then it's like okay, here's the equation. It was yeah. the same with Giannis. It's the same with Jokic, right? Like you you learn how to do it, and they haven't figured it out yet. They haven't figured out how to pair those pieces with Luca. And that's the it, that's the biggest issue because for Luca, he's so talented, but he still needs the right help. LeBron, it was like, oh, once you give LeBron another playmaker and shooting around him, you right. can fucking accomplish anything for the next ten years. That right. was always the equation. Shaq, Shaq needed another high level perimeter score. Didn't matter if it was D Wade, which he won a championship, Kobe Bryant, or Penny Hardaway, right? right. Who he went to the finals with. There, that those three guys, there were similarities. One, like, and you could rank them in all three in three ranks, and you would get the most success that Shaq had. Kobe was probably the best. He won three championships with Kobe. D Wade is probably the next best, and he won a championship and played really well. And then. Um, uh, Penny Hardaway is probably the third best, and he went to the finals with Penny. Penny got hurt, so we don't know what he could accomplish. But my point is, is that when you're looking at, you know, how you construct a team around a superstar, it can take time. And Luca's so young, and he's been good for so long that it's like you almost expect them to have figured it out, which they haven't. It took him a long time to figure it out for Dirk. 
what do you think Luca needs? You know, to your point about you know Shaq or, or or LeBron and what they needed. I think Luca needs one. I think Kyrie is the ultimate. He's a Batman at times, but he is like a top tier Robin. He is next level. Next to KD, they were having tons of success. Right. Next to LeBron, he was having success. Right. I think if you try and put him as the Batman, I think that's where the question lies. But I think being next to Luca, Kyrie's one of the best fourth quarter finishers, scorers in the league, all those things. I think you need to figure out the other pieces. Who are the other pieces? What do they look like? Right? How do, how do, do we need do we need tons of defense on the wings? Do we need three and D guys on the wings? Which is probably that. Do we need a shooting power forward? Do we need like uh, Clint Capella, a big finishing center? Mm-hmm. Right? What, what do we need at the center spot to make these guys go? So that's where it becomes like trying to figure it out. But first step. Getting another superstar next to him, and Kyrie is a superstar that can play with stars and studs. Would it be fair to say that it is more likely that Luca finishes his career in Dallas than than Dame in Portland? That's tough. That I think Luca in Dallas makes sense because they are a collaborative organization. Right where Luca has a direct line to Mark mm-hmm. Cuban, and there's other places that you don't. So the grass is not always greener, and I think Dallas has proven that they can win a championship and they can build around people and have good success. Um, I think I think Luca has a better chance of finishing finishing his career in Dallas than um, than Dame does in Portland. Well, it's also later in the day, and like I'm a big Dame fan, but like he's been at this a while, and it's been a big story in the NBA. Is like how long is Dame willing to put up with this shit? And it's almost like he's a glutton for punishment. He's so prideful in competing and staying where he is. But now, if you say, "Hey, I want to win," and your team is actively tanking, then you have an easy out. Like you know, nobody's going to look at Dame and say, "Like, yo, you're you're not about competition," because like that the place he currently is is not giving him that opportunity. You're right. You're right. And again, it goes to, again, I respect Dame's loyalty. I respect it. We all know this in professional sports. You love it. One franchise, the loyalty that comes, but the level of your career can be dictated by other people. And that's the part that it's like, not that you don't take ownership of it, but if you don't take ownership of it, then all of a sudden, if your GM or your president or your coaches aren't very good, if you're not good at getting in talent, now the trajectory of my career and my legacy, and I do believe Dame is a legacy guy. He's a top yeah. 75 all the time. His legacy actually matters in the game of basketball. So sometimes you have to make your legacy can be your loyalty or your legacy can be putting yourself in a chance to win championships in the final third of your prime. Yeah. Right. That's and that's up to him. That's up to him, and as if you really do like, if you do like him, then you just have to support him because that's what he wants for himself, not what we want for him. Yeah. Well, I like Damon. I'm also a Knicks fan, so any chance of? Uh, I know you're not a big Knicks fan. I, I, I'm look. I just I've been getting texts from people in the Cavs organization because today mm-hmm. I said that I think that the Knicks, if if Randall can come back and play at his level, uh, I think the Knicks are. Uh, going to beat the Cavs, right? Mm. And it hurts me to say that. I think the matchups favor that. I love the Cavs. That's my team. Yeah. But I think the Knicks have a very, very good team. And they have great veteran pieces. Their young guys have developed. They're finally doing it like an old school organization, right? Because, again, I'll take you back to the Golden State Warriors. 
They drafted Steph. They drafted Clay. They drafted Harrison. They drafted Draymond, right? You're, these mm-hmm. are the puzzle pieces. Now those guys are stars. But then, like, even go back to my year with the Nets 20 years ago. We yeah. went to two straight finals. They drafted Kerry Kittles. They drafted Keith Van Horn. They drafted me. They drafted uh, Kenyon Martin, yeah. right? Like, there's formulas yeah. here. And the Knicks always, well, we're going to do it this way. And it's like, that way's not working. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they drafted Grimes. You know, they, they drafted R.J. Barrett. They drafted O.B. Toppin, right? Like, you start looking at their draft pick. They drafted Emmanuel quickly. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, now you're developing your talent. You're re-signing your young talent. Okay. And then you're being bringing in quality free agents. So I think the Knicks have done as well of a, any, a job as anybody in the last three years. Yeah, and it feels like the pool is more ready for a big fish. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like if, if I'm a free agent, I don't want to go to some place that was doing it the old way. I want to. I want to show up someplace where, hey, you've got a bunch of maybe borderline Batman's, as you put it, but but probably Robins. In in mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to like Jalen Brunson, I mean, this is a question I wanted to ask you. Like, you know, he is really he's really crushed it this year. And you know, I look at uh, Bridges in 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 Brooklyn as well. I know you know that team pretty well. Um, how do you go about figuring out like if these guys are really one A players or if the the the, the vacuum that was created in Brooklyn and the way that they're building in New York has created this scenario where these, these players are filling up stat sheets and you know, you, you have, there's only so many buckets to go around. Like these guys are, are the numbers inflated? Like how can you tell if Brunson's a, you know, a, a tier one guy, if Bridges is a tier one guy and so on? Well, I, let, let's start this tier one. There's, I think there's five only guys couple, currently, yeah. no, but I'm saying there's five guys currently that have led a team to a championship in the yeah. NBA. Yeah. As the best player, it's yeah. Steph, it's KD, it's LeBron, it's Giannis, Kawhi. So those are the only one A's. Everybody else, until proven otherwise, is a one B. One B. Right? Everyone else is a one B. And that's yeah. Anthony Davis, that's Paul George, that's John Morant. Everyone else is a one B until mm-hmm. you reach that status, right? Because mm-hmm. then, I'm, not can you, you have. You have done yeah. it. Yeah. So one B's across the board. Brunson's a great one B one C. He's great, right? Yeah. He is outstanding. Pal Gasol, right? Very good one A. Can take your team to the postseason. If he's the second best player on the team, you can win championships, yeah. which they did. Um, so, like to me, that's the biggest thing. And to your point, like you said, no one wants to come be the saviors. Go look at cl- the Clippers. The year before Paul George and Kawhi both decide to go there, they they uh, the Clippers went to the postseason with like a very kind of ragtag group, but yeah. they had tons of pieces. They had things, so the Clippers are like, oh, they already made the postseason without us, right? Paul George, Kawhi mm-hmm. wouldn't go there. The Brooklyn Nets, D'Angelo Russell, Karis LeVert, all mm-hmm. of those guys made the postseason. The year before that that year, then in free agency, Kyrie and KD were like, oh, we can go there and we got lots of talented pieces around us that know how to win because they went to the postseason. Yeah. So the fact that the Knicks are doing it that manner is like, hey, if we got to trade Brunson because we can go get a superstar, we got a bunch of other guys that understand the culture of winning now, whether it's quickly yeah. and top and the expectations ran. If we got to trade Randall because... I'm just let's say yeah. I can't even think of a person now that would be a good because somebody big time is available. Damian right? Lillard. Damian Lillard. If we got to trade, it's one of those things. They're like you, the Knicks are finally doing it where they're not looking for someone to come be a savior. They're building their infrastructure out, and then it allows for a superstar to say, "I want to come join that." That's mm-hmm. what the biggest thing is. Yeah, 
the, the guy that we're talking about tanking about is uh, Wembenyama, who I, I saw your comments on the on the miss three in the dunk, and you and Channing were just like, holy shit. Have you ever seen that before? There was a reporter uh, with, the, with the, the Nets that said they saw Keith Van Horn do it in practice, <laughs> but I'm sure it probably looked a lot different <laughs> if he did. Um, is he the most hyped, rightfully so, prospect of all time? Like, is he the best prospect of all time? Yeah, no, no. First of all, Keith Van Horn, he was that athletic. He was 6'10", yeah. could touch 12 feet. Oh, like, wow. he was he was freakishly athletic. So, like, yes, but practice is di- different than – the, when you watch the video, which makes it so crazy, is you're watching this video and you see a 7'4 guy handling it between his legs at the top of the key. That alone is like, what the fuck? Yeah. Then he yeah. pulls up for a beautiful three. They're like, God, he has that in his game at 7'4", yeah. that handle and has a pretty stroke. You're like, oh, shit. It misses and the, the ball is – you know, the ball is being tracked on the shot. And when the yeah. ball comes back, you see the same person that just shot it come in and tip dunk it from three with space to go. He is 100% the greatest prospect in the history of the game of basketball. And I say that even with guys like Kareem, who was in school for three more years, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because Kareem went to college for four years. So he's mm-hmm. a much more developed individual. But at 19, Kareem was not what Victor Webanyama was, yeah. 100%. Not at 19. LeBron yeah. James at 18. Again, we're not talking. We're talking about Bron, the cr- craziest media prospect we've ever seen. That's overachieved. At 18, he was the most hyped 18-year-old we'd ever seen. If Victor Webanyama was growing up in Akron, Ohio, right now, mm-hmm. like he he is the greatest prospect that we've ever seen as a prospect mm-hmm. because he's seven four, does the things, he's athletic. Rudy Gobert, there's a picture of Rudy Gobert looking up at him. Like, and you're like, Rudy Gobert's the biggest man in the league, like by far almost. Yeah, it didn't look like it the way uh, he landed that punch, though. No, that wasn't a punch. That was a push. It was a push. That's what I said. That's what I said. It's a push. Yeah, that's what I said. If he, if he want a punch, it's to the face. Yeah, not a gut punch. That's what I'm saying. It was a push. It was a push. So, how has the, the, you know, the attitude among players. I know fans are really interested in the European game, but I always felt like, you know, like, and watching back Last Dance and seeing, like, the shit Tony Kukoc got for being European player and, like, you know, it is sort of an inherently, like, hey, this is our fucking game, man. Like, you know, and, and the finesse that people rightfully or wrongfully assigned to their idea of, like, the European game. Over time, some of these draft picks flamed out, you know, like Bargnani and, and uh, you know, we've had a few of them. Uh, yeah, Milicic. Uh, has the, has the, the player attitude towards European players changed over time? And is it a harder road for European players because of the way American players kind of view them? No. And I, that, it's actually – let me say this. It's a, that's a great question. But I think that gets to the culture of basketball, right? The culture of basketball is so inclusive. It's so inclusive. And that doesn't mean others are exclusive. I'm just saying inclusive. And what I mean inclusive is we have been taught from the very beginning it's about growing the game of basketball. That's like ingrained in us. When we go back to the, the 92 Dream Team. That was about the growth of the game of basketball. Mm-hmm. In all of our meetings, it's about the growth of the game of basketball. So we love it when Europeans are coming over and other guys. Like I, you know, I had friends that were Serbians and Croatians and guys that are, you know, from Slovenia. So it's like people that I still keep in touch with today that are like my boys. Mm-hmm. So 
the game of basketball is always – do we have a little bit, oh, yeah, this is our game? Yeah, mm-hmm. damn right we do. But we're also not stupid. We know the more Giannis's that come over and Jokic's and then on beads. Mm-hmm. But it's still like as a core, right? I would say whether it's football yeah. or baseball, we feel a pride that comes from like an American sport. But universally, all of us, because it is a melting pot, there's so much respect. Like I lost to Argentina in the gold uh, to the in the Olympics. But, yeah. but Manu Ginobili was my teammate. I fucking love Manu. Yeah. I'm not like walking around saying, you know, I can't stand Argentina, screw Messi. No, it's like, dude, that's mm-hmm. my brother. Like, I'm pissed we lost, but like, congratulations. I know what that meant for your country and for your legacy. Fucking good for you, bro. So I don't think that the game of basketball is is that. But now European players coming over here, there is a tough language barrier. But the thing that I will say is some of these guys are turning professional at 14 and 15. Right. That gives them a skill advantage over most American players where they could just do a GED and and learn multiple languages and fucking do basketball six hours a day at 15, 16 as professionals yeah. and make some money. That's better, in my opinion, than what the NCAA has infrastructure for us. And listen, like, you know, you might look at a player from Duke. Uh, he played in Cameron Indoor, but like Luca played where they were throwing like Molotov cocktails at the fucking court. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like uh, hearing about some of these stories, the pressure that these players have had to deal with from a young age. I mean, it's almost like a breeze for some of them getting over here. I don't mean from a basketball standpoint, but from like, you know, what's riding on the game, you know, the game, the, the scene at the stadium, the whole thing. And the resources are much better. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and make no mistake, this is one of the things that I think there's a, con- a, a weird connective tissue. Um, like I played with guys that were Serbian and Croatian that mm-hmm. were born during the, again, the conflict, the war, the breaking mm-hmm. up of Yugoslavia. Like I had a Serbian and Croatian teammates sit next to each other and they were like, oh, if our dads sat next to each other, they'd try and they would try and kill each other. Mm-hmm. Right. Like these guys, some of these individuals are coming from like that's a war zone. Chicago, mm-hmm. it, it it is a war zone, but it ain't a war zone with bombs going off and mm-hmm. families fleeing and becoming refugees. Like so I'm saying is that like there's some guys that come over that are like, oh, fucking you're not tough. I know tough. I've seen tough. Right. Mm-hmm. So they have. the And again, not everybody is from those countries, but there yeah, are right. guys like. From the Congo, from Cameroon, yeah. from, you know, like Giannis, I believe they were a refugees from Nigeria living yeah. in Greece with Greece. no shoes. Like, you know, like there's a there's a toughness of like, oh, screw, like, I don't care that you're not tough. I don't care if you're from Chicago or South Central, yeah. like New York City. I, I don't care. And so there is an air of confidence that comes with them from a different pool that they would pull from. Let's talk about the playing games. Uh, you know, um, I, I feel like a couple of these teams are kind of in the worst situation, like the nine tens. They're kind of like in the NFL where you're picking in the middle of the draft and you don't have a quarterback. Like they're mm-hmm. not in the lottery. They're probably not going to get in. But, you know, I, I heard Kendrick Perkins talking about Miami and how Miami might be a really tough matchup for the Celtics. Is that the team in the East that could make the most – noise if they get in this thing yes i i would i would give them over atlanta over chicago toronto yeah and i think all of those other teams are kind of tiered miami's the one team that has an extra gear when you talk about jimmy butler you got multiple guys that have played in the finals together yeah. right just the overall organizational push 
they are all pushing in the same direction, whether they have a ton of talent or whether they're kind of in the middle like this year. Um, so, yeah, yeah, no, I would think Miami's the one team that, like, if they got in there, they can cause some problems, push some teams. Jimmy Butler ain't going to walk into any arena and have any sort of look in his eye that doesn't say that I want to kill and play 50 minutes. Right, right. And how about Trey Young and the Hawks? I mean, we talked about earlier being a 1A. Um, Trey Young can, can fill it up, but is he the type of guy that can lead a team to a championship? There's been chatter about, like, well – you know he's a he's a prolific scorer, but he's not one of those guys. Well, again, his like, that's the thing. Careers can take time to manifest, yeah. right? Yeah. Isaiah Thomas didn't win a championship in his first few years. Jason Kidd didn't win. You know what I'm saying? Like, so yeah. it's like, yes, is like the version of him right now? Like, he's very good, but he does have some things, and sometimes it can be off the court maturity. It can be on the court maturity. It can be a better understanding and learning of the game. Because sometimes we see a kid come in and in his second year he averages 25 and 10 and, oh, he's got to figure it out. No, he doesn't. He, he's going to be a much better player at 28 through sa- f- like failures, through successes. Than he, you know what I'm saying? He'll be, hopefully he's a better yeah. player at 30 if he can yeah. stay healthy. Yeah. So, you know, Trey, I think in their team they still have growth to do, but the talent is there. How about uh, probably the mo- most anticipated game of the season thus far, the Lakers and the T-Wolves? Uh, Lakers favored by six and a half. Um, I mean, T-Wolves seem like they're in disarray, man. Like, you know, obviously we we just alluded to the Go Bear shove. We had a dude, Jade McDaniels, break his hand, walking into the to the locker room. Uh, you know, you have a great player in Anthony Edwards who's as fun as anybody to watch, but it just doesn't feel like this is the best time for them to to take on a Lakers team that got LeBron back and has big-time aspirations. How do you see that game going? Yes, the Timberwolves are in disarray. Part of that is, you know, when teams are like that, they're also a little bit scary. Or you should not like, oh, they're a wounded animal. It's more yeah. of like, oh, shit, like they're yeah. a wounded animal. Like yeah. they're going to band together. You know what I'm saying? So those games kind of always make me scary, like get a little scared. You lose the big man. Okay, so now Anthony Davis should play well. You lose Jaden McDaniels. Okay, LeBron should play well. So you think that that game should go seven. And why it's so important for seven for the Lakers, obviously, outside of just getting in, is that it gives them a few days more rest Mm. to not have to play those extra games. So now Mm. you get a LeBron James and an Anthony Davis that finally get, I think, like three or four more days of rest before they get into versus like having two days rest and going into the postseason. And now you're already battling uphill because you're talent. And now you're battling uphill with less days rest. So that, that seven matchup for them is big. Minnesota though, that's when I talk about young, when we talk about young, right. And I'm not saying Rudy Gobert is young, but like there was immaturity floating around throughout that space. And even the Jaden McDaniels, the young stud, he's a stud defensively, one of the best defensive players in the league. Young stud punches something. You know, you've played sports. You've either had teammates or friends that were in anger, punched something, and fucking broke something. Yeah, face mask. Face mask. You did it? Did you do it? Luckily, I didn't break my hand. Uh, I got a pretty big big fist here. But, uh, yeah, I could feel that for a couple weeks. And I, yeah. I got ejected. And I remember my first thought walking into the locker room in Carolina was, did I just break my fucking hand? Like, you know, like, this is going to be the most embarrassing thing in the world. Yeah. And it's, and it's just the emotion and you punch something that you shouldn't be punching. And you, you yeah, know, this. No. It's, it, that's immaturity. Like you never, did you ever yeah. do it again? No, no, not that I can remember. Yeah. So Jane McDaniel's a young player and I think his third year, 
does this, and now he's missing the rest of the postseason. Yeah. And literally, when you watch the punt, you can see him grab his hand right after. Yeah, he knew. He knew. He knew right away. He knew right away. Was this the worst trade in NBA history? Somebody called it that today on Twitter. No, no, uh, no. That's, those people, those people they, they missed their, their all-NBA power forward in Carl Anthony Towns for, it feels like, 50 games of the season. Right. right? Rudy Gobert... It took him a little bit of time to figure out what he's going to do. You know, they bring in Conley. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden their team has been playing better. One of the things that if you lack respect for appreciation, you know, one of my favorite things about any given Sunday, again, football reference, Mm -hmm. is when Lawrence Taylor is talking to Jamie Foxx saying, without defense, your offense ain't shit. We -hmm. work together. You are not more important than us. Right. We work together. And if you don't appreciate what Rudy Gobert does and you start to devalue it and say, like, oh, well, you can't make a shot. But motherfucker, this entire defense, I clean up every goddamn night. Don't you disrespect me. Right. Right. So and then I don't know if you've heard the audio of what there's an audio floating around of some things that were said um, by Kyle Anderson. Yeah. But like some things. So there's an audio floating around of him, like talking shit. I heard a few times. Yeah. Yeah, if you're going to say those words to me as a man, like, you provoked it. Both yeah. of y'all motherfuckers should be suspended, in my yeah. opinion, yeah. for the shit that you said and the shit that he did. Yeah. What uh, Did you ever see fights with teammates? I mean, obviously, you had fights in practice, but, you know, like, how was that handled in the NBA? Did it linger? Because in the NFL, it was always like, hey, we'll try to leave it on the field if we can. But, you know, sometimes things are so personal, they spill over in the locker room and then maybe – there's a second dust up and then people don't get along for a while. What was it like in the NBA when you had to conflict resolve something like that? Well, look, they, like, again, I, with the Draymond thing happened, there was a lot of talk about, about it. And it does, it happened a lot. It used to happen more, but they don't practice as much because there's guys that are trying to get in the starting lineup. There's guys that are trying to get in the rotation. That's where the intensity comes and coaches like it. Coaches like to see younger people that are hungry or guys that veterans that have been out of the rotation take practice seriously because then it means that they're going to be hungry in the game. You know that translation. Yeah. So, yeah. but they don't practice as much. So it doesn't happen as much as far as inside, inside of the, in, in between the lines, you know that it's unprofessional yeah. at the end yeah. of the day, it's unprofessional on both their parts. You can do it. It won't be the first time. It won't be the last time Bones Highland and Plumlee got into mm-hmm. it with mm-hmm. the Clippers. It is not, you know, Spolstra and, and Jimmy Butler, although no hands were thrown, but they got into it, you know, last year. All of these things are just a part of it. Once you cross that boundary, I think everybody's fucking at fault in that. But for the most part, guys would do it. I've been in fights with teammates or we've had to be separated, stuff like that. And you just keep it pushing. Yo, Jimmy Butler just guaranteed a win on the internet well he didn't do it on the internet but that's why i read it um if, if you're one of his teammates are you just like all right fuck it i trust this guy like if he if if he's gonna say that it, does that put more pressure on him or the the other team does that give you know does bulletin board material real in the nba i'll tell you what if jason kidd and i'll talk about the best players that i play with not saying that they would do that but if jason kidd lebron dirk tim duncan um if any of those players yeah. steph Said, "Hey, we're gonna get a, we're gonna get a win. I'm, I, I believe that we're gonna win. That makes me hyped. Yeah. That makes me hyped. That means that one of the best players in the league is at his most focused mm-hmm. and is taking accountability of the statement right away. This isn't the Super Bowl where it's like, oh, guarantee a win, bullshit. Because every mm-hmm. motherfucker's there to win. So mm-hmm. yes, I believe that we're gonna win. I'm not gonna guarantee it, right. but 
at the end of the day, yeah, I like it. I like it when my best player is doing that because I'm there ultimately for support of him. Yeah. If you're in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, and you haven't tried the WinBet app yet, I have great news for you. Sign up today to receive special offers and take advantage of great promos for the big game and the upcoming college basketball tournament. Don't miss out on the fun. Download the WinBet app today. Terms and conditions apply, must be 21 or older, and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too, 1-800-889-9789. Good news, the Thursday show we do with AMP will continue 4.30 every Thursday. The Greenlight team, Cowboy Reed, Fax, Kingston, uh, I'll pop through there sometimes. On AMP, you can interact with us really easily. There's a call-in button. We invite call-ins all the time. You can talk directly to us, ask us questions, ask us our favorite music. We might even play some. There's also a live chat during the show. If you have a question about a topic we're talking about, fire it off in the chat. We'll answer. We're going to be uh, we're gonna be doing what we've been doing all fall, uh, every Thursday at 4.30 on AMP. Uh, check us out. Kick off the new year with new gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, like I probably would, they told us that they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. With Shady Rays, you can look good and feel good. To date, they have donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. If you don't love them, exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out the best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code GREENLIGHT for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try it for yourself. These shades have been rated five stars by over 200,000 people. So looking at the East, uh, I think one through three really good teams. We can kind of debate whether or not they're the three best teams in the playoffs. But there is an argument to be made that, uh, that Phoenix might be the best team in the West. Who do you think poses the, the biggest threat, the biggest matchup problem for any of those teams in the East if they get through to the finals? I, like I would say Denver, I would say Denver Golden State if they can somehow figure it out getting Wiggins back and they got Gary yeah. Payton the second Wiggins though those guys I, I would say I still don't think that you know they are where they need to be. I'm not saying they can't get it done because I'm not counting those bad boys out. Uh, but I really don't see anyone. Denver, Denver's the one team that if they were to match up, they have the most they have the the best well balanced roster. They got depth. 
They got defenders. They got three-point shooters. They got another guard that can go get it. Aaron Gordon is a fucking problem. They got Michael Porter Jr. who can knock down threes at any rate. So they have the best constructed roster out of anybody in the West. So they are the one team. But, like, when I look at it, there is not a team that would come out of the West that would be favored against any of the three teams in the Eastern Conference. Right. Right. Right? And that's really just the way it's like that's the best way to say it, right? If everyone showed up there healthy, like, like, I'm sorry, like, I'm going to – you know, with the same amount of rest, no travel, everything's even. And I, what I think, but the Bucks have the overall, so they would be number one. I think Boston's number two overall. Yeah, Boston's two, Philly's three. Two overall, three. so they would have the home court advantage. So again, there's two teams right there. Philly would be the one team that comes out that I think, you know, would either not be home court versus Denver, but I think they would over Sacramento or Memphis or Lakers or Phoenix or anyone else that comes out. So they actually, really, they actually would have the home court over Denver too. They would. Who, so Philly, yeah. boom, there you, there, I, yeah. I wasn't even hundred percent sure, but there yeah. you have it. Like yeah. you're going to not have home court and you're going to be going against Philly and this and all this stuff. None of those teams, no team in the West would be favored over those top three. When you get to the finals, is there one game that guys on the inside know is the pivotal game? Uh, you know, like uh, I know you're trying to win them all, but uh, you know, in, in fan circles, they talk about, you know, game two or, uh, you know, what's the most pivotal game? When you're when you're lining up a seven game series, I think game two, game yeah. two is Ga- yeah. game two without without a doubt, without yeah. a doubt, in my opinion, outside of a game seven, obviously, but yeah. a game two as far as structure of a series, because if you won the first game, let's let break it down. Saying if you won the first game, now you get a commanding lead, two up, yeah. right? Yeah. If you're the visiting team, if you're the visiting team, you lose the first game, you come back, now you've stolen home court advantage. Right. So now you just win your home games. You're good. And you're showing back up on your home court. Fans are fucking crazy because they know they got home court advantage. Right. So that game, too, is the one that like either you can get a commanding lead either way, because you've seen road teams win two games on the road and we've seen home teams, you know, win two. So those two scenarios bring you back to that that second game of like if you win game two, now it's one one. If you're the home team. And you've lost if you're the home team and you lost game one, game two is fucking hyper important because now, you know, if you lose that second game and you got to go on the road, they already got the home court. So now you're double fucked. So, yeah, game two in most of these series, especially the later you get, the more important. With Phoenix, uh, you know, Durant being out for a while, him showing up late in the season. Is there anything to in football? It's like when we're getting ready to play a team, you know, tape studies so intensive. But, you know, the ingredients, there's so much more that make an offense or a defense. So, and scheme is more of a differentiating factor, I think, in the NFL. Uh, so we really, we really study the tape hard. And if there's not tape on a player with that group, it does become a little bit more challenging. What's this week look like for an NBA team that's going to sit there? And whether they know their opponent through the play-in game or not, like what's the tape study like for y'all going into a series and does it matter that there's not as much tape on Phoenix as a finished product? Well, this is where, to me, like, I don't miss playing basketball. I miss playing in the playoffs because it becomes really fun. Like, you, you play too many games to do, like, hyper, super focus. Sometimes you're familiar because you've played against them in the postseason, regular season. When you're, when you're talking about the postseason, we'll sit down and do individual players, like wings, bigs, 
Like we yeah. do like NFL level meetings, which is yeah. cool because yeah. it's like that's what you do over these multiple days that you have off. It's just like hyper focus. You go over there into the game. You go over your stuff. You make sure that there is because this is the first time you get a chance to really dive deep into a team and you don't get it yeah. at all during the regular season. Yeah. So it becomes intelligence. And most of the time your defense you have your primary defense and then you have one, two tweaks or switches that you're going to do, right? So if you're playing against the Phoenix Suns, yes, it, there is not a large sample size. But there is also a deficit for them because mm-hmm. they don't have a large sample size. So if you figure them out and you're like, oh, yeah. we're going to double team these two. We're going to leave this person open. This is going to be our rotations. Mm-hmm. If you figure it out and win game one and it's starting to look like it's working in game two – do they have enough tape and different examples and different things to work through to be like, oh, this is how we're going to counter that? No, mm-hmm. they're having to do it on the fly. So it kind of balances it out, and it becomes more of a chess game very early in that series. That's interesting. Uh, Golden State, uh, you mentioned them earlier. I, they kind of – it seemed like teams were angling to play the Kings, uh, which probably feels a little bit insulting if you're the Kings and might motivate you, but uh, Golden State – uh, Sacramento, this matchup, you know, Golden State 11 and 30 on the road. I wonder what goes into being really that bad on the road when you know you have the horses. Is it complacency? Is it, you know, like, are they coasting in the regular season? Can they return to form, uh, the form over this past five, six years and be that team in the playoffs? So the Golden State Warriors, I have no idea. We've never seen this. Imagine yeah. a team going 0-8 on the road and 0-8 mm-hmm. or whatever at home. Mm-hmm. Like, the disparity is so great. They're in the same category as Detroit, Houston, like, San- the worst teams in the league. They're right there with them, right? And that, to me, is mind-blowing for the veterans, for the defending champions, for all that stuff. Just means that there's something going on, right? I, I, don't, I can't allude to that. They don't seem like a team that hits the streets too much. What's going mm-hmm. on? Well, again, yeah. not having Wiggins for the amount yeah. of time that they didn't did not help them. Um, Clay, Tom, uh, uh, Clay Thompson, because he got injured in the offseason, I, like, I, I think he might have played his way into shape. Yeah. Right. Losing Gary Payton, losing uh, like Otto Porter, Andre Iguodala being banged up and now obviously out for the season. They lost a lot. And then their veteran, their young guys. Where Jordan Poole, he, he's played well, yeah. right? Kaminga, some of their young players haven't make, made the jump that, that right. you were maybe expecting for, you know, the level of picks and talent. So they haven't made the jump. So there's just been a fall off and they've just been re- like their defense has been horrendous, but they lost some of the better defenders. Yeah. You lose Wiggins, who was your best defender. You lose Gary Payton the second, who was one of the best defenders in the league. You lose those two. Your defense goes to shit. Your offense looks great, yeah. but it was just it was bad. Do I think they can turn it around? Well, they got their they got two of their studs back. Wiggins yeah. should be playing the postseason. Sacramento is a team that doesn't have a ton of experience, so we'll yeah. see. What What about the variability between you've been on uh, seven eight teams, a lot of championship caliber teams. You played in the finals with a couple of these teams, three of them. And I wonder, because you played with some great ones, you've had coaches like Greg Popovich, you've also had like Tyron Lue, who you play with, like, what is the range in how a team operates on the road, like in the regular season? It, you know, like you got some teams that just probably are out all night, you got certain personalities, but then like, I'm sure you have some teams where you got it dialed in and guys are not going to abuse the time they have on the road. Where do you fall when it comes to that stuff? Ooh, there, again, 
You play like it's the gambit. It runs. Yeah. It runs the whole thing. Yeah. I've been on young teams that were like super serious, didn't really go out and played fucking Fortnite every damn day. Yeah. And then they would go play. I've been on young teams that shit was team was shit and they were out every single night. Mm-hmm. Right. I've been on veteran teams that were just not very good or kind of meddling, you know, in the middle and they were kind of out being social. That was part yeah. of the problem. And I've been on great teams that were like, we're going to handle our business and then fucking destroy this town. Yeah. So that was part of our motivation. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I think camaraderie is big. Right. Especially on the road, because you do get and again, it doesn't have to. There's guys that like didn't really drink, but they would come to the dinner or we would sit here on the road so much. We would get Monday night football at a restaurant. Just come eat with us. We'll all watch Monday football. Some guys that want to go out can go out. Guys that want to go home can go home. But it's just the camaraderie. I think the best teams have the best camaraderie. Doesn't mean that they all get along, but they do a lot of things together, because if you're going to be in that fight for two and a half months, to try and go accomplish something great. It's going to get dark. It's going to be ugly. You're going to get pissed off. You're going to get called out and you have to have a, a connective tissue to go through those moments. The San Antonio wine dinners I've heard about, uh, is pop like, uh, what do they call that? When somebody's a connoisseur, a connoisseur of wine uh, or a, a, a sommelier. Yeah. Sommelier. Yeah. 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 That's the word I yeah. was looking for. Is he like, yeah. who the fuck is over there commenting? fucking wrong shit yeah exactly the guy who used to be a fucking teacher uh can't even figure it out Uh, i figured it out me and richard figured it out yeah and we're not the smartest people here (laughs) no we're not um yeah what was pop like on the road pop was amazing so i think it all started it started back when like steve kerr and uh i think danny ferry like Mm -hmm. pop was like hey if you guys ever see me out at dinner like i'll buy you guys dinner that was his thing Mm -hmm. So these guys would figure out where he was going to dinner and then they would they would go to dinner and like sit they would and, and again pop is a huge foodie huge yeah. foodie wine guy yeah. and then with his coaches and all that stuff he would just get them all together after in different towns and whatever and they would just drink and eat forever and mm-hmm. pop would go to one restaurant for appetizers another restaurant for fucking main courses and another restaurant because they had this amazing no tiramisu that's the type of like He's schedule pop is on and all those guys are like hey you got to kiss the ring he's yeah. the godfather yeah. so you do it but you also are getting like a fucking icon of sports wealth and knowledge and he's more than just basketball he's a social issue guy yeah um so so like, yeah, it's intense. But as the team dinners, oh, yeah, they're great. And no one wants to be the first one to get up. Right. It's like, oh, guys, yeah. we've been here for two hours and there's uh-huh. 25 of us and they're just crushing wine. Can we go? But <laughs> it, it's always fun. Were you eight hour sleep guy? No. Five no. and a half, six. Five and a half, six. So you yeah. were out there sometimes. Well, no, no, no. I, yeah, sometimes. But I, I, I can't sleep more than six hours in a row. Damn, dude. That's not that's that's a curse. Uh I slept nine hours last night. Um, Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you, Richard, do you think Pop cares about the all-time wins record? Yeah. No. I think when he retires, he'll look back on a lot of things. But in this moment, that's not him. Because I don't think he wants his players to be like that. So that's the energy that he approaches things with. With, And I think over the course of his career, and Tim, Tony, that's all of those guys were playing for right now, what's next, what's the next moment. So I, I think that's kind of his approach. And he's trust me, he will talk to he will talk you talk to you more about gun control, political mm-hmm. issues, social issues. He will talk to you more about that than any record that he has or broken or, or championships or any of that. All right. So so talking about your career a little bit, 
with, with the Nets, man, early on. Those were fun teams. They just played the wrong teams in the finals, I felt like. Uh, you know, like, I, I kind of wonder, you, you, your career kind of not wraps up, but in 2016, you, you win that championship. You go into a, a, a series against the, uh, the Warriors. They're 73-9 and nine or whatever it is. You know, you had Shaq and Kobe on those those final te- finals teams in in, uh, in in L.A. When you go into a series like that, do you know you're outmatched? And which series seemed like a bigger challenge for you guys, like looking back at it? Obviously, you knew less in 2002 or whatever it was yeah. than you did in 2016. Well, that's why I try and tell people where winning championships, should it should not define a player's career, even great players. Yeah. Like, we lost to Shaq and Kobe my first year. Next year, we lost to Tim Duncan, David Robinson, Mono Ginobili, and Tony Parker, four Hall of Famers, and Pops a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. That's what we lost to in my second year. Fast yeah. forward 13 years, we go against the 73-9 and nine team in the finals. And the next year, we go against the 73-9 and nine team that added Kevin Durant. It's mm-hmm. fucking hard to win a championship. Yeah. It's damn near impossible. Yeah. And so... You know, when I look at like what what I learned over that time period and like winning some of these things is that, you know, no player should like, yes, it should be a part of the conversation of a person's talent, especially if guys can win finals MVPs or be like Robert Ori and be a contributor. Yes, that's big. But no, winning a championship is hard. And when I would say this is like Shaq was the most dominant player. I talked about it on J.J. Reddick's podcast. Shaq is the most dominant player physically that I'd ever seen. I've never seen Will Chamberlain. Um, but like Kevin Durant and and that 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 Warriors team those couple of years, there was no beating them. They were the one team that if you played good and they played good, they would beat you. If you played great and they played good, they could beat you. And if they played great, there was no beating them. So the equation for beating them was there wasn't one that really that really existed. So safe to say, you were surprised you guys won that series. Previous year before Durant. Yeah, but I yeah in 2016 though. Surprise, yes, but not not in the moment. Not in yeah. looking back. Yeah, in the yeah. moment, it was like we were terrible in the first two games. Game three, we figured it out. Game four, you give them credit. We we just didn't. Um, we didn't handle it. We didn't handle the fourth quarter well. Congratulations to them. But we felt like we sh- should have or could have won that game. But once Draymond went out, it gave us a little bit of a window. We took it open, and then they started getting broken down because they had a really long, hard stretch to get there. They were down three mm-hmm. one in that in that uh, OKC series, mm-hmm. so yeah. they had to expel a lot of energy, right? So they were they were locked in those early games. But as the series went on, because we cruised through our conference. So as the series went, Andre Iguodala started getting back badger. Andrew Bogut gets banged up. So you could see that it was starting to wear on them. That winning 73 games and then being down 3-1 in the conference finals, you're fucking tired. Yeah. Say what you want. You're tired. Yeah. And they were that great that it took that much for us to still overcome. That's how that's how great they were. So you almost retired after that? I heard like you, I tried. You tried to retire, but it seems like LeBron's a pretty powerful GM. Uh, was it? Did it feel like maybe the greatest compliment you ever got that LeBron seemingly was like, "Hey, Richard, no, you're playing another year." Well, I, it wasn't. What uh, contrary to probably LeBron did not do those <laughs> negotiations. No, it was like for me, it was like one. It was a part of like I kind of wanted. It was just fun. Yeah, uh, I was retired. I'm done. There's nothing yeah. else for me to do. It's my 15th yeah. year, or whatever. I'm done. 
Secondly, I, I think the one part of the reason why I came back was very quickly, like a few days later, yeah. is going through that experience. And I wanted to go into every arena as the defending champion. Mm-hmm. I wanted that experience. I, I now know what it feels like to be a champion. I want to go into the postseason as a defending champion. Yeah. I want that experience. And because I've never experienced it before, I felt like that was such a valuable thing to not miss out on. Right. Because you'll always be a champion. Yeah. But to walk into arenas and walk into buildings and walk in there as defending champion, uh, I thought that was great. And look, we were close. To, we had a chance to be two-time defending champion. Yeah, that resonates, man, because when I won in New England, I left in free agency, and I never got to do the you know opening night. They put the banner down. You, know, you don't get a chance to defend it. And in football, it's such a hard thing physically, mentally, emotionally. Mm-hmm. And I remember wanting to retire after 2017 in Philly and thinking, I am going to be so fucking mad if they win a, another Super Bowl and I'm sitting mm-hmm. at home. So I, I literally came back because of FOMO, which is packaged That's, differently, but it, it's the same thing. No, it's, it's like, packaged you, the same. It's packaged you, the same. Because yeah. I was like, oh, we're the best team. I was yeah. like, oh, we're, we're, we're the best team. And that's yeah. part of the reason why, in my opinion, Kevin Durant, I won't say part of the reason. I think he's an intelligent basketball mind. And so if that didn't go into the equation of like, look, Braun – got this whip around them with Kyrie and mm-hmm. fucking Kevin and all these veterans, and they just beat the team that we couldn't beat. Like, how am I going to think that next year is going to be better? Am I going to yeah. really sign a four-year deal, three-year deal? He was like, let me go, let me go, you know, play with, with these other great players, which, again, I, I don't knock it. I respect it, whatever. But we were close to it. Like, going, in, going into, like, when the season ended, then free agency started, and I was like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and everything changes from there, but you don't want to be sitting on the couch, you know? No. Um, what is LeBron like on the team playing? I know some guys are playing Blu-ray. Some guys are probably watching movies. Like, what does LeBron James do on the way back from a road trip? Where does he sit? Does he have his own section? No, no, no. He sits he definitely up there sits with next us. to Tristan Thompson because he just signed him again. What is it about Tristan Thompson? He loves Tristan Thompson. Look, man, when you go through wars and battles with people, man, yeah. you know this. There's sometimes there's a there's you know, when you go through those battles, there's certain looks in yeah. your teammates' eyes that you can look across the board and say, Oh, you understand. Yeah. You understand that. And they're, you know, look, he had James Jones on a team with him for a bunch of years, brought JR, uh, and not him, but the Lakers brought JR back you know, before the bubble, mm-hmm. like there's, there's something that goes into that. Like we're about to go into battle. I like battle tested people. Smith calling timeouts. Yes. That's my Or guy. not. Or, yeah, or not. Was, so what, not. so what, so how did LeBron handle the fame and everything, man? Like, cause you got a front row seat, you know, it's the biggest moment in his career. Uh, I mean, this guy is probably the most famous athlete, American athlete on the face of the planet. I mean, you can put Tiger Woods up there and some other guys, but how would, when, when it was time to be normal, could he be normal? Yeah, 100%. You know, look, 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 I've seen Braun get emotional when the season's over because of wins and losses. We won the championship emotional. You lose in the finals next year, emotional. And I say Mm -hmm. that because he he cares about winning more important. When people are like, oh, he's fine out in L.A. He came. I was like, no, he didn't. Mm -hmm. Have you all not been watching this man for 20 plus years? This man wants to win at all times. Kobe wasn't happy just, you know, being in L.A., yeah. Like that, that. No, these guys want to win. They're special. They're different. Like they're just wired differently. Yeah. Uh, but no, Braun is a great teammate. He does. Again, 
It's Halloween parties. It's dinners every night. He can't like go someplace by himself. So it's like he, he him and, and Randy and Raymond, like yeah. you're out there putting out the text saying, Hey, Monday night football here, women's national championship here. Hey, we're going to watch the, you know, this thing here. So he puts it out there and we all go there. We all break bread. We all eat dinner. He, he is a very big camaraderie guy. And, you know, I, I look, I enjoy playing with him as I did a bunch, you know, Steph was amazing. Steph's like the nicest, you know, guy, and he gets out there, and it's just like, what the fuck? This dude's a monster. Do you feel like Steph didn't get enough? Because you saw young Steph. Like, I felt like there were dudes that would throw these, like, kind of stones at him early in his career, some generational kind of uh, complaints, some, you know, I think the way he's packaged, too. Like, he, he's just a nice guy. And I wonder how much in the NBA you felt like people weren't ready to give him his respect uh, as early as he probably deserved it. I think I, 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 I think so. I think, you know, that's part of it. You have to earn the respect. Yeah. And, you know, that's why I loved what he said after they won the championship. What are they going to say now? Yeah. What are they going to say now? Mm-hmm. I, you know, we won a championship before we had a super team. Mm-hmm. Right. Then, you know, then we won two championships with Kevin Durant. And then all of a sudden, no more Kevin Durant. And it's back to us. Yeah. What are the fuck are they going to say now? That I love that friend. Yeah. One that lets you know who what he hears. Yeah, he, he hears sees, it. He sees it. He's locked in. So I think there was. But, you know, success silences all critics. When they were shooting all the threes and he was breaking all the records, they're like, oh, they can't win in the Pogo season. That's the, you know, they lose in the second round. They lose in the first mm-hmm. round. And then Steve Kerr and Draymond Green, the way they manicured, manicured that defense and just all the things, those motherfuckers were off and running. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He, he, I think, I think this was a championship that he looked at, like even the first year, Kyrie gets hurt, right? Kyrie gets hurt. And then the next year they lose. Right. No Kevin Love. Kyrie gets hurt in game two. They were down two one to that Cavs team. And you're like, dude, this team was 70 percent, 80 percent at best. Mm-hmm. So it's like for him, he's like, what are you going to say now? Mm-hmm. Break down this championship. And like after we were been banged up the last two years, break it down. Tell him, what are they going to say now? And he got his finals MVP. So yeah. I think all the respect that he has gotten from the first championship on has all been earned and respected. it. And I think he's one of the best ambassadors the league has ever seen. I fucking love stuff. All right, so 2004, you guys end up in the Olympics. It's a weird year. It's like some guys can't play. I know George Carl caught some shit. He's not that well-liked. You don't have to say. But I, uh, what was that like? Because we give out an award on this show when a team loses a road game. We give out a worst plane ride uh, award. What was the aftermath of going there? And you know the lofty expectations that was that are put on that team, rightfully so. And, you know, not being able to, to deliver, uh, was, was that something guys wore? Uh, you know, yes, we, we always wear it. We all, the, you never, you don't recover from a Super Bowl loss. You don't yeah. recover from a national championship. So it's that loss. important. It's that important to guys. Y- yeah. Well, yeah. yes, because that's a part of, I'm a forever part of that. You know, mm-hmm. 20 years later, you and I are having conversations on the podcast about it, right? It is that yeah. important. It's that, it's yeah. that, it's that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, I would say this. I, I think what was more learned, and I think as players we understood, is that the infrastructure of USA basketball was flawed, right? The fact that like guys with no playing experience that have never met each other were put together. That was a level of arrogance from USA, USA basketball. That's all it was. And at the time, it was not made in importance. The dream team came about because of level of importance that we put into it. Fine, we're going to put our pros there. Then next one, 
we have a bunch of success and then it starts to crumble and they're like, okay, we're going to put more importance on it. We're going to have USA select. We're going to have one coach that's going to coach guys for three years. So they're not learning the system two weeks before the Olympics for the first time. Yeah. That's stupidity. Yeah. We're going to go against other NBA players and other kind because we're us and then bring the youngest team with no international playing experience. Doesn't make very much sense. So the fact that the one thing I will say is that, when you talk about worst plane ride, yes. But when you lose in that semifinals in the Olympics and you still have one more game to play, oh, you got one, you know that you're already fucked and you got oh. one more game to play. And that game will decide if you go home empty handed or still with an Olympic medal yeah. that you are not exactly pride, proud of, but it is an Olympic medal. Yeah. That's a fucking hard game. Yeah, so, like, we buckled up. Guys played great. We got it done against a team that had beaten us early, earlier in pool play. So you look at it as like, no, no, no. We didn't lose the gold. We yeah. we won the bronze. And that yeah. was a very prideful thing that we went out and did. Well, also, as you just put it in so many words, like a really important uh, Olympic team because you, you, it was, you guys figured out some of the problems. That mm-hmm. that you know the the Olympic team had and the, the way it was set up and the infrastructure as you put it. So I, yeah, I mean uh, it's tough pill to swallow, but things have been different since. And I I, I wanted to wrap up with a couple uh, just random questions here. I mean, um, you know, the NFL just allowed players to wear zero. Okay, so that's a tough number to pull off. I also think you got to be a different kind of dude to pull it off. The NBA has been plenty of guys that have pulled it off, but only one was called Agent Zero, and I know he's a friend of yours. What is it about Gilbert Arenas that allowed him to wear that number? <laughs> and 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 is he as fun to be around as people describe? No, he's not fun to be around. <laughs> he's not. He's like you're on constant edge, right, when you're around him. Now, Gilbert's an amazing dude, one. Two, yeah. the zero, part of Gilbert's psychosis is that <laughs> he always approached things like people were counting him out. Right. Right. And so, you know, the chip on your shoulder, the zero, right. Is, you know, he can make that up however he wants. Oh, people counted me out or Mm -hmm. they said I wouldn't make it or whatever it is, whatever your inspiration is behind your number. He wore that with pride. So yeah, not a lot of guys can pull it off, but you're right. There's only one agent zero. And that name was earned by him because he was a monster out there on that floor, but sometimes your greatest strength is your greatest weakness. But no, I don't hang out with Gilbert. <laughs> fucking no, I love him, but I don't hang yeah. out with him. Yeah, he don't even yeah, call yeah. me to hang out. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he, there was an arenas rule that let uh, let 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 teams play or pay their second round picks that was named after him. It's a very important player. Very a lot important of different player. rights. Yeah, a lot, so. like listen, he he he's got a lot of things, and he'll be the first to tell you about it. But he was. He was outstanding. And they were like, we can't afford him. And there's no rules in the CBA that allow us to afford a player mm-hmm. that we took the risk on. And mm-hmm. he exceeded expectations. And now all of you, because all of you guys are dumb, he now gets to go to the free agent market. Mm-hmm. And we don't, there's no like time. So they tried to limit how much money he could make and say, well, oh, if you draft someone in the second round, the most they can, it's like, no. So that got fucked. And then he took 60 something million from Washington when, when, when been an all-star. Another Arizona question. I partied with uh, Luke Walton in Charlottesville here when he came in for a top 100 camp, and it was a lot of fun. His dad's one of my favorite pop culture heroes of all time. Uh, I am a dead fan. Uh, I do like marijuana. 
there's just a lot about the guy. I love watching Pac-12 games just because of him. You guys got to be around him uh, at Arizona. Did you party with him? Did did it was the the folklore uh, everything that uh, it was supposed to be? Look, let me say this: as a basketball nerd and fan, like me and Luke met on our visit, became friends, and then all of a sudden, when his dad is calling our answer machine, yes, that's how long ago it was <laughs> calling his answer machine or like coming to games. Yeah. Say, hey, you want to meet Big Bill? And then you mm -hmm. re realize everything that you see on TV is 100% an accurate um, depiction of Bill Walton. Mm -hmm. The way he is, the way he always is, is he's not playing a character. He's mm -hmm. so off the wall. He's so amazing. Like And like me being a little shit starter, like I always would fuck with him, but he was always amazing. One time I argued with him and I was making some stupid basketball point because I was 19 and he goes, Richard, Richard, please stop. Do not argue with someone who is in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> and, I, and so me being a smart ass, I'm like, Bill, what what Hall of Fame are you in? Mm -hmm. This man reeled off like nine. I'm in the Basketball <laughs> Hall of Fame. I'm in the College Basketball Hall of Fame. I'm in the Academic Hall of Fame. I'm in the San Diego Hall of Fame. I played one game in Memphis, Tennessee, and I'm in the Tennessee Hall of Fame. And you're sitting here just Grateful like. Grateful Dead Hall of Fame. Oh, Grateful Dead. I'm like, all right, Bill, Bill, I was just messing with you, bro. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, um, the new the new collective bargaining agreement. We haven't had a lot of time to talk about it, but I just want to hit you. You know, is there one thing that stood out to you? Was it the cannabis, the ownership, the the sixty five game uh, kind of rule that they put in there? Was there anything in the new CBA that you, you raise your eyebrows at? Uh, I would say the new CBA. There's two things. Draymond Green brought it up about like the million dollars per player or whatever, and that got dropped to 500. Mm -hmm. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. I don't like it because it's a new thing. It's a new travel. And if you want guys to be incentivized by it, it is a boatload of money. It is a boatload of money. No one's disrespecting that. Yeah. But I also look at it as like with this new TV deal coming up with so many different things, the players, the winning team could have gotten that one million, especially on top of every single time you open your doors. Right. Mm -hmm. If you open your doors, there's concessions. There are all sorts of things that will be done and promos for it. So there is enough money to give each player one million. And I think that that's what it should have been at, because I think that immediately would have spiked attention, would have spiked everything to get that type of level bonus. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about from man, seven, eight, nine, yeah, ten. Millions dude, a million seven. to everybody. Yeah. And it's like, again, I'm not saying that that amount of money is not a lot, but I think Draymond brought it up as like, I think that should have been the number. And I think we should have stuck stuck by that. Uh, I'm not a part of the CBAs. These are my humble opinions. So MBPA, I'm not dissing anybody. This is mm -hmm. just my personal opinion. Yeah. Uh, that and then I think the 65 games, I think the 65 games, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how this out because teams that are sitting healthy players out for the first 30 games, 40 games, 50 games, and then a player does sprain his ankle. Right. And does have to miss two weeks. Right. And now he's now in risk, some of them because he was a healthy sit. Right. So I think I'm really curious because teams, if you don't make all NBA, then you're not available for like that percentage increase. So yeah. teams don't want to pay that percentage increase. Right. Right. That's all. No, teams do yeah. not. They'll yeah. give it to you if they have to give it to you, but they're not going to fucking give it to you just for no reason. Yeah. So be careful if you don't make one of these teams or you don't hit one of your bonuses because your team now is sitting you out. I know. I know. When it starts to hit your pockets, it really matters. Um, all right. Two things you're doing right now. Number one, road tripping. Uh, we talked about that with Channing and Allie. And I, I, I love the show. Uh, it's got great energy. You guys are like casual, the whole thing. It's like 
when people ask me about why I podcast, I said, we've been doing podcasts in locker rooms for years. Forever. You know, we, we just never actually monetized it. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, out of all your teams, who would have had the best podcast? Uh, no, the, the, the Cavs, 100%. That, yeah. That's part of the reason why it came about. Really? Like, well, part of the success of it is that that's uh, the idea for the podcast is we want to at one of those long ass LeBron dinners. And we were talking about who's the best small forward of all time. Uh, who Who's the best athlete that rebranded himself? Like, this is mm-hmm. just the conversation that we would have mm-hmm. while we're watching your ass on Monday night football. Mm-hmm. So we're doing this. And I was like, God, that fucking people would love it. So I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, I'll do a podcast interview my teammates. And then very quickly, there was five of us sitting around a microphone and everyone laughing and just kind of telling their stories and, then it was just like, oh, shit, this is all we've ever done. This is all yeah. we can do. We sit around together <laughs> yeah. for months, people. We travel yeah. more than football, not as much as baseball. But, like, you're literally around these guys for three and a half months total time over the course of the season, eating dinners, on planes, on bus rides. Like, fuck. Yeah, it's this is all number do. two for us. Yeah. Yeah. Skill. Number one's the sport, but this is also a skill. We get good at this shit, passing time. And then the last one is... Uh, I know you're doing uh, Cash App NIL kind of kind of thing. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that, and then you've probably known Bronny since he was a kid. How much money do you think Bronny's going to make, and where would you go if you were Bronny to play college basketball? Bronny's going to make a lot of money. Yeah, but I don't think Bronny's going to make his decision on how much NIL that he's going to get. Money should right. not for him. It should be more about yeah, it's like different. W- it's different. And not every kid has that luxury. And that's a mm-hmm. luxury good for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your kids, my kids, like people that are in that position, it's like, I want to make the best decision for me, not mm-hmm. NIL long term. So I don't know where he's going to go. I have no idea where he's going to go, or what they're going to do. Should he might go play. There's people saying go play in Australia. That's a great, you know. Yeah launching board you don't have to go to g league ignite you don't have to go to the ncaa go play in australia play a professional be a professional don't go to class just focus in on this um but you know i was fortunate one of the things i did with cash app is i did millions and for you guys go check it out it's fun because we got to sit with like some high level amateur athletes that are either about to turn pro or about to enter into college and it's really about like hey Can you tell the world as big time NIL athletes some of the decisions you made? Because one of the things that I did not have is I my parents didn't come from any type of wealth. So there wasn't like and you're talking about 2001. So you're talking about like they could go take finance lessons, but there's not an understanding of NIL and taxes. So I think to the the, when Cash App and 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 they came to me and said, hey, this is our idea for a show. I think it's great because you get to contribute to you know, the, the audience that needs it for kids, even kids that are influencers. This is not just, this is not just athletes, even kids that are influencers. And now they have a video game streaming channel or they have this, that's your name and likeness that you're going to be selling. So I think that there's so many uh, informational things for parents across all sports, all spectrums. If your kid has an opportunity to make money, I I, I think the millions and cash app have done a good job of, of giving you some information. All right, well, make sure you all check that out. Make sure you check out Road Trip. And, I, I mean, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. I really enjoy their conversations. Uh, Richard Jefferson, man, it's been an absolute pleasure. Hope to have you on again. Yeah, let me know, man. We can do another one in the postseason. We can do anything no you want. Oh, man, I appreciate it, man. I'll, yeah. I'll catch you soon. Uh, thanks, dude. I appreciate you. Mm-hmm.